Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by Paul Champlina. Paul is the founder of Landlord Action and the brand ambassador for Hamilton Fraser. Paul has spent over 28 years in the legal field helping landlords with their problem tenants. And in 1999, he set up Landlord Action to put his expertise to good use, specialising in fixed fee, property recovery and tenant eviction in England and Wales. He has acquired a reputation as the landlord's friend, having co-written two books with fellow property expert Kate Faulkner, to help landlords manage their properties. Paul travels up and down the country speaking and giving advice and carrying out regular seminars to landlords and letting agents. And in November 2019, Paul won Best Seminar Speaker at the National Landlord Investment Show Awards after receiving nearly 40% of the overall votes. He believes passionately in the rights of landlords and campaigns tirelessly to improve standards throughout the private rented sector and was invited to give evidence to a cross-party parliamentary group on the private rented sector in relation to retaliation evictions as part of the Deregulation Act 2015. As part of the Fair Possessions Coalition, he has also been an active participant in government consultations on the topic of speeding up the eviction process, abolishing Section 21 evictions and housing court reforms, and is also on the Advisory Council for the Property Investors Bureau to regulate property education. Paul regularly appears in the national press, radio and television, and he's appeared in numerous productions, most recently featuring on the hit series on Channel 5, Nightmare Tenants and Slum Landlords. So great pleasure to have such an experienced person on the show. Paul, thanks very much for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the introduction. And uh, Yes, we're uh, doing a podcast, a Zoom, uh, actually Zoom, oh, God, we, should have t- we should have taken shares out in Zoom, shouldn't we? I know. That'd be a good earner. Did you hear that, I think it was uh, one of the stocks that went up even more, was something called Zoom Technologies, which is actually nothing to do with this, but everyone thought it was and jumped on that, um, it shot up. Oh wow, that, yeah, that is, that's quite funny actually, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know what, uh, Modern, it's good that you're doing, you do regular podcasts, I do podcasts and you know, I'm all about engagement. I'm doing loads and loads. Of, I've, I mean, I've done so many webinars in this. So what we, I've lost track. Are we fifth week or sixth week? I think we. I think this is the fifth week, isn't it? Start. Fifth week. I've lost. I've yeah. lost all track. Do you know what? The other day, actually, it was quite funny. My, uh, my daughter. It was. It was. Uh, it was Saturday, and my daughter thought it was Friday, and she went down on her computer ready to do work. I mean, everyone loses track of time and and, and stuff. But engagement's been really, really important. And I, I said to my fellow directors at Hamilton Fraser, literally a day before the lockdown, because uh, obviously no one knew what was going to happen. I said, you know what, engagement with our customers and brand loyalty and being judged what happens when we come out of this, because of course no one knew, you know, and t- to be fair, Rod, you know, and, and I can see when the government have done it every three weeks psychologically. Can you imagine being told you've got to lock in for three months, two months or whatever, it would just people go just do landing, wouldn't they? So um, I think that, I think it's gonna, it could be another three weeks from the fifth or sixth of May, most probably. Can they? Yeah, I imagine they'll probably kind of let let different things unleash in stages and uh, and yeah, mm. ease, ease it back to normal. Um, so Paul, I mean, let's have a quick discussion about your background because you've got a huge amount of experience. What what came first for you in terms of landlording or the insurance or legal work and and how did I know landlord action came about I think it was in 1999 but mm. how did that start and what did you do, what were you doing before then to get into property well, well yeah my background was different because I came in through the legal way so uh, I worked in law firms and uh, I I left school with no qualifications but I was always a graft I was always quite entrepreneurial when I was always did you know I had a uh, I remember car washing round at 13 and I, I, when I was telling my kids this, I was, I was cleaning a, a car inside and out for a pound. I mean, that shows how old I am, you know. And when you, when you introduction that I've been helping landlords for 28 years, I mean, yeah, I issued my first possession claim in 1991. Wow. I mean, I, you know, and it thought, God, bloody hell, I feel really old, you know. So, <laughs> um, 
I worked in a couple of law firms and I've worked in recession. I've worked in debt recovery. I've worked in bankruptcy, repossessions, landlord and tenant, always collecting debt. And that's how I got into it. And I was an outdoor clerk. And my first uh, wage when I was 16 was 4,200 quid a year. Right. And then I, I, I built up a lot of um, practical experience, but I wasn't academic and I couldn't sit. I mean, I did my first year of legal exec exams and then I worked for a couple of law firms. Well, I, I lived in London originally, but moved, uh, moved to Brighton when I was about 14. Um, got my first job in Brighton, then I moved back to London in 1990, working in a very small law firm. And I used to do all different things. I used to, you know, I, I did my first court hearing when I was 16. And I worked in the recession in 1989, 90, where I used to go to court and obtain uh, repossession orders for the banks and building societies. And the interest rate used to be 15%. People forget that, you know. And then uh, did that for a while, and then I wanted to work for myself, and then I became a certified bailiff and a private investigator and a process server, and I, and I had a tiny little office in northwest London, and uh, literally I was doing stuff on the ground, so I'd be doing, um, I'd, I'd repossess shops as a bailiff, and then I'd do a hearing the next day, I could be doing a surveillance, I would be doing process serving, I'd be collecting council tax, I'd be doing really weird, you know, varied things, it was real front line, sometimes it was quite hairy, been attacked a couple of times where people weren't happy with seeing me on, on the doorstep. So I did all that, but I always done landlord and tenant eviction. And then what happened was, uh, well, I used to work in the same building as my previous partner in landlord action, who I started it with. And he was a letting agent and a portfolio landlord. And I evicted, I remember to this day, I, I evicted about 15 sub tenants or 20, 15, 20 sub tenants in a, a three bed house in Northwest London in Edgware. And I did it all for fixed fees. And he said, I can't believe you do it for fixed fees because normally I pay lawyers a fortune. And then out of that, we thought of land on action because that, this was in 99, literally 2000 millennium, we started trading. And we did fixed fees and free steps. And it was unheard of because every time you pick up a, a phone, every time you write a letter to lawyers, they charge you, don't they? You know, every time you speak to them, they charge you units. So we were the first people to do it. And then it just got bigger and bigger. And then really 2003 was the buy to let boom. And then it just went strength to strength. And then I just, uh, I just moved in uh, to media from that uh, just to, you know, help the, the business along. And that's how I, I, I gained my experience. And then after setting Landlord Action up, then I became a landlord and, and bought a buy to let. And, uh, and now, you know, um, actually, I, I only have one property now, now, and that's in Spain, which I rent out, ironically. So uh, <laughs> I should have bought more property, but most of my money that I made I put into the business. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a couple of things there. So, I mean, I know a bit about process serving purely because I used to own and operate a security company and we used to do... Oh, really? Okay. And, and, and a bit of process serving, but nothing on the level that what you did. And also you said in the 2003, it boomed with the buy to let. What, did you find that you would get more business in the downturns like in 89, 90 where recessions came and obviously I imagine tenants were struggling more or were you busier when the buy-to-let was booming? We, we, we were busier when buy-to-let was booming because there was more landlords coming into the marketplace yeah. and actually there was more landlords coming to the marketplace that just didn't know what they were doing and then you had the, we call them the accidental landlords and you still have that. I mean, 90% of the market, Rod, are, the, are the, the landlords that have got one, two, three properties, that's it. And a lot of them will try and self-manage. They work full-time. They don't know what they're doing. They can't reference a tenant. So, you know, even, you know, even though, uh, you, know, uh, you know, of course, I, th I think also, you know, landlords forget how cheap money is in the last 10 to 12, 15 years. They actually forget that. There's a lot of short memories. But, yeah, we got busier as the market got bigger. And now, obviously, we're now in 2020, and there's lots of challenges and we've got the COVID virus and I'm sure we'll talk about the market a little bit later on in this podcast, but you know, it stands at 21, 22%, you know? So uh, as the market got bigger, we got busier. And then as we started land on action, we used that, we, we had a lot of companies that would copy our, our theory and what we did, but you know, we, we, I think really the, the strength for me when I built land on action was really, I kind of like wanted my personality to come through didn't want to be a stuffy law firm. And then yeah. um, in 2012, we actually became a firm of solicitors. So we, what, we, what we did was, we, I suppose we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with solicitors saying they were greedy, they were charging too much money. <laughs> and then I didn't like the way that the, the fixed-fee eviction industry was going because there was a lot of companies cutting corners. They were, they, were, they were doing all the documentation. We used to use solicitors, and I wanted to be able to control the service and the level. 
So then we got a thing called an ABS, an alternative business structure. They called it Tesco's Law. So any company could set up their own law firm and do, have in-house offering. And it, yeah. it took us, it would cost a lot of money. It took us the best part of uh, 14 months, 12, 14 months to become a law firm. There was loads of regulation. And then we became a firm assistant in 2012. Oh, that's brilliant, yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, through that time, for the 28 years that you've kind of been operating in that, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the PRS? And what do you feel that landlords maybe need to focus on now that possibly they didn't need to focus on so much previously? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also just, just one thing I want to mention. So literally, Landlord Action three years ago was sold. So I sold it to a company called Hamilton Fraser. Which is uh, Hamilton Fraser own My Deposits the Deposit yeah. Scheme, own the Property Redress Scheme, own Client Money Protect. They're free government-backed schemes. They do, t- they do landlord insurance, total landlord insurance. We own Landlord Zone, as you know, the, the, the landlord portal. And then I've, I've set up loads of other initiatives and, and loads of other uh, brands while I've been there. And I just, just the reason why I sold Landlord, I wanted to be part of something bigger. And I, obviously there was more and more regulation, which obviously fills into your question. Yeah. So there's, you know, there, there's something like 180 rules and regulation in renting your property out, you know. Landlords can't do now what they did 10, 15 years ago. And actually, it's never been so important now for a landlord, whether they're using a letting agent for management, which actually in the last year, Rod, I've been telling them they should be because it's too hard. And and landlords don't put a price on their time. That's why I wrote the book, The Landlord's Friend, with Kate to explain all this in in a a simple landlording language. Uh, But it's the compliance and it's the time consuming. And now there's extra cost and there's selective licensing and of course you know EPCs gas safety certificates loads of things you have to do and you have to comply with and there's more stuff coming in because the market changed I feel uh, when uh, the deregulation act came in which I was involved in and I helped uh, and I helped with other people yeah with yeah, yeah. 2015 yeah. where the, the form 6a which is the section 21 I was involved in that and on evidence because the government thought, you know what? There's such a big disparity of tenants being able to own a property now. Tenants need a better deal. The biggest problem the government had is the small landlords and landlords not seeing tenants as customers because they are. Because without a tenant, you don't pay your mortgage, you don't make money, letting agents don't make money. And that was the issue. So then they, they brought in this regulation. And there's, and obviously, uh, so the, 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 to answer your question, it's the legislation, it's the time it takes, it's the understanding of what a tenancy is, it's dealing with relationships. And actually, for me, and it is to tax deductible, I mean, obviously, you know, I have managed my own properties in the past, I've had buy to lets and whatever in the past, is actually, well, you know, and I, I do a lot of talks for organisations like Property Mark and Arla, and I sit with a room full of letting agents, and I say to them, you know, what's your average void period? Because landlords do not want voids because that costs them money. They don't, certainly don't want rent arrears. Yeah. It costs them money to, uh, in, in maintenance pairs. I said, you know, how much time do you spend in dealing with a full management? And obviously there's loads of stuff, not just the viewings and advertising it, and then obviously the check-ins and deposit and all that stuff. And no one can tell me a question. No one can answer that. And I've, I've said that. How much time are letting, are letting agents undersell themselves? Because if there's a let-only fee of, Eight percent and a full management of thirteen percent, and you never have to speak to the tenant, and you never have to take a call that the the, the boiler's broken down, or the tenant's drunk at five in the morning and lost their keys. You don't want to take that call, do you, Rod? You know, and actually, landlords are very short-sighted. You know, and they don't. So a lot of landlords don't like spending money, and that's a, a, a big topic that I have with letting agents because I go into letting agents, I train letting agents on how to attract more landlords to your business. And not understanding a landlord psyche, and I understand landlords, you know. And now, in the last year, I said you've got to use a letting agent, but of course, you have to do your due diligence on a letting agent because there's some much better than others. And so, do you think then that maybe now the the whole idea of having I don't know one person having the odd buy to let one or maybe two properties. Do you think these kind of part-time landlords, the time for them is over and really you've got to, you've got to be a professional landlord? 
But you know, the answer to that question, you can still have one and two. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look, I'm looking to get a buy to let, but now obviously what's happening, I'm just going to watch and wait, which a lot of people are going to do because there will be some deals. There'll be a, there's a lot of landlords exiting the market, Rod. Prior to this, you have the section 24, the tax, the additional stamp duty, the additional regulation. You know, that's why I say you've got to use and join a, a you know, the, you know, to join the RLLA, right? The new, um, Landlord Association, the RLA and the NLA join is £75 a year. I mean, what, you know, they've got 70,000, 80,000 members, but there's 2 million landlords. Yeah. You know, loads of legislation coming in. Landlords are going to have to be part of a, red, red, uh, a redress scheme further down the line and a whole load of other things. So I say, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at getting a buy to let uh, for my kids so yeah. they can move. Uh, eventually, when I want them to leave, I've got a flat for them ready or a house ready to go into. So yeah. you can still get the, the investment. And, the, and I'm saying you should still look at the investment, but you have to think professionally. And that's where landlords fall down. You know, we still get calls on the Landlord Action Helpline. You know, we're running six to 700 cases at a time. I have 10 solicitors there uh, working for us and paralegals. They're still getting calls from landlords that haven't put the deposit and deposit scheme, and it only came in 13 years ago, Rod. Well, you know, and of course, we've got 220 staff at Hamilton Fraser. So, you know, we've got free government schemes and that's why I, I want to be a part of that and help. You know, we, we, have, we, we have constant engagement with the government. If it's not myself, it's Sean Hooker, who's head of the property research team, Eddie Hooker, who's the CEO, Tim Frome, who's head of legal. We're engaging with government all the time. The problem that we have in our industry is it's segmented. You, the problem you if you have landlord, you have tenant, okay? They're not working in a relationship the word landlord may be outdated because if I'm renting to you, I own the land and I'm and my work, at the end of my new name, it says Lord, you know, it should be the custom and whatever. So I think there's, we are, we're going to, and out of this crisis, you're going to see a lot more changes. And I say to landlords, you've had a very good run for your money. Rents, you know, I think now rents will come down most probably. And I think the market will come down because of what's happening. Cause there'll be job losses. It'll be another recession. And I think it'll be, 10 times worse than it was in 2008. I really do. You know, because we don't know the repercussions of job losses further down the line because obviously the government has stepped in on furloughing. But I, I think the biggest market that's going to be affected will be the commercial property market because people still need to live somewhere. Yeah. You know, landlords will be more reasonable to renting because they won't want void periods. I think, uh, I think tenant circumstances are going to change because a, a good tenant doesn't become a bad tenant overnight. But, they might be furloughed. They might have obviously have to go for universal credit. Uh, you know, so we're only in lockdown. We're in a bubble at the moment. Yeah. You know, we are going to go through some, uh, through some tough times. You made some really good points there. I mean, at the beginning of this month, we were very concerned, like my business personally, about arrears and voids. And I think we ended up with 11% arrears at the first of the month when, when rents come in. And then we managed to bring that down to zero as the month went on. Uh, but which, but it was tough. We were we were communicating with the tenants a lot. We had to hold their hands a lot. People yes. were having to claim universal credit for the first time in their lives. Various other things were happening. So there was a, communication was absolutely key there. And I, I did speak to a few other friends of mine who might just have the odd buy to let, for example, if they they them and their partner had a owned a home each, and then they decided to yeah got together and moved in. And they would not have a clue, even before this was happening, about, I don't know, your, your, like you said, your gas safety, um, Section 24, rent deposits, and all these kind of things. And I do think that there is a, I'm not sure of the stats, you'll probably know more than, more than me on this, but it's something like the average landlord has 1.2 properties. Yeah, that sounds think, about right. And I think it's, the, it's those people that really may not have the understanding of what's required in terms of legislation, um, and there are just so many of them. And when it starts to bite in their January kind of tax bill, they're, they're mm. with Section 24, and also now if people are struggling and they're trying to evict them and they can't because they haven't done things properly, I think that's where... And of course the courts are suspended as well, Rod. Well, exactly. You know, they're suspended for 90 days. So we've, let, we've got something like five to 600 cases at court on the suspension. So that court suspension is until about 25th of June. They could review it. The notices are now three months instead of two months, section 21, 14 days, section eight. 
Uh, that's why we, we produced our, uh, you know, our tenancy mediation business at the Property Redress Scheme, because there needs to be engagement. You've clearly done something right. You've got a good relationship with your tenants. You know, 98% of tenants, uh, you know, will be truthful, will be transparent. We did a survey, uh, a landlord action survey on landlords owners. There was 520 people completing the survey. I did a press release a couple a week ago. And actually, I was so surprised, and that's why we went with the figures, and you know, people criticised it, but 74% of landlords said that they'd had a call from their tenant since lockdown to say they may struggle with the rent. Now, you will get tenants that will try it on, or you will get tenants that will panic and think, oh, I don't know my job situation, I don't, didn't know about furlough, and you know, there's going to be, a t- you know, st- still people are being furloughed, but the, the companies are still topping up 20%, so they're still getting 100% of their salary. So there is that uncertainty. Obviously, landlord action, we're busy anyway, and then we will be busier. I can't stress enough, you know, and again, I've had a bit of criticism on it because obviously, you know, I've been dealing with tenant eviction for years. What we were doing now is totally unprecedented. So what you've done right is speaking, working, mm-hmm. and actually out of this, what the, you've got to realise, but people aren't seeing further than the lockdowns. What's going to happen is there will be more, more normality. Businesses will be fighting to gain and get business. The economy needs to get going again. People are going to get laid off. There's no two ways about that. Companies are going to change how they work. They're going to think, why have I got that 10,000 feet office space, something ridiculous? I mean, you know what? I can, I can call that. You'll get tenants that will walk away, commercial tenants that will walk away from leases. Okay. People will, 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 will and then, you know, 20, 30% of the workforce might work for that. You know, things will change. So actually, when you come out of this, Working with your tenants might sustain and, and uh, your relationship with tenant might flourish and they may stay in your property longer. So you've got to look at the bigger picture. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And it's, um, um, you mentioned some really interesting points there, obviously about unemployment. I think 100% that's going to be on the rise. Uh, we're seeing even companies now that furloughed staff. I, I interviewed someone the other day and just before we, we kind of press record, we were talking about their furlough situation. And he, and he quite honestly said, we won't be bringing all these staff back once this is over because we're having to make cuts. We're having to look at efficiencies and things like that. And there'll be, there, there's going to be thousands of companies in that position. Um, I thought, you know, Roger, 100%. What's happened is I've worked in recession. I've worked in debt all my life. Not yeah. been in debt, but worked in yeah. debt trying to help people, you know. Yeah. And I've worked in so many different types of recession worked in a global recession in 2008, and then obviously the recession in the late 90s was because we had high uh, unemployment and we had a high interest rate, 15%, you know. You know do, I, did, I think I did something like, was it 12 or 13 or 14 uh, repossession, mortgage possession hearings when I was 17 in Brighton County Court, right? What we're doing now, this situation affects every industry mm-hmm. you know more or less you know every industry is affected by it every business is affected by it and you know what cash is king you know but people still need to sleep so i think at the back of this i actually see that the government will be put under so much pressure to invest heavily into social housing well i think to see social housing being built on the back of this like, that's my prediction but don't forget there's debt the debt has to be paid back well, well yeah. i think I think the benefits and the good things are that at the beginning of April, we saw like the LHA rate shoot up. I think, I can't remember what the average was, but I think it was something like 13% increase in some of the LHA rates. Yes. It's massive really, isn't it? And um, last month, so when this started coming, coming out, I think it was all end of February, beginning of March, we we did a stress test of our rents to LHA Mm -hmm. rates. And what we, what we found was actually that, the majority of it wasn't too bad. We, most of our tenants are professional working tenants, and we thought, right, worst case scenario, uh, if our tenants leave, we've got to get new tenants in. Let's say if they're underwritten by council or universal credit or housing benefit, this is what we're going to get. And what we saw was um, actually we were all right across the board, mm. apart from um, shared housing and HMOs, where yeah. the difference between the LHA rate and the professional was pretty big. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking at that, right there, there are that's our um, worry point. Now let's look at our tenant profiles. What are their industries? Can we start communicating with them now, especially the ones that we think might be in industries that are possibly at risk? Who's self-employed? Mm. All that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think it's just about taking that holistic view and and, and seeing. Yes. What- 
and saying long term, and like you said, with the you made a really good point there on the commercial um, as well with landlord, um, not landlords, tenants handing their commercials back, and I think you'll get a lot of that with the blue chip tenants. Most definitely, you're getting that with corporates. Definitely get the with the um, with the more uh, individual um, individuals, independent sort of um, tenants there. What you might find is, especially if they've got guarantees and they're homeowners they might actually be a better type of tenant at the moment because they're going to be looking for flexible ways in which to adapt their business and pull through this rather than those corporate ones that will just move on out and actually can afford to get rid of that that, ten, that yeah. tenancy and, and walk yeah. away and you've got not a lot really there to help mm. you i think you yeah definitely i mean I, I agree i mean i like the way that you're looking at your portfolio and you're looking at the holistic and you're seeing about vulnerability returns i mean I say now, I mean, I had a, a great chat with uh, Barnet Council. I, I, live in, I live in Barnet, okay? Yeah. And I had a count, and I had of lettings in Barnet. Actually, what we'll see in this market, you'll see the rent to rent and guaranteed rent market decimated. Yeah. And so people will just be giving the keys back, a lot like that, because you're getting a lot of small people to do rent to rent, mm-hmm. and they're vulnerable. Yeah. And of course, rental insurance, i.e., direct line, they're not paying out rent guarantee because they're using the terms with regard to COVID-19 and of course the courts they can't evict so actually the T's and C's they're not paying out there's vulnerability actually good tenants now can be the councils mm. right because the government are giving extra will give extra uh, money for housing because obviously homelessness is going to grow yeah homelessness is, is critical and a, 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 a disaster point now as to where it is and obviously housing tenants social tenants so looking at guaranteed Rent scheme for councils, the LHRA rates, where obviously having a housing benefit tenant, people were looking at frowned upon, especially in London and South East. So land, landlords have got to mix their portfolio up. Look at the look at the short stay Airbnb market, decimated 90%. So you'll see some of those landlords coming back into the private rental sector and want security with regard to longer term tenants. So what's going to happen is there will be more competition. Landlords have got to be realistic, and you think, you know what, I can't. I normally put that on for 250 where I'm going to stick it on for 225 I'll get eight applicants instead of four applicants. I can choose, the, I can really choose and narrow down what I want out of those eight applicants. And yes, I want to get uh, rent guarantees. I want to get uh, uh, PGs, you know, guarantors for someone that signed a tenancy agreement. But I think with regard to the commercial, because I've worked in, in industry with regard to working with sessions, collecting money, and now I'm part of a big organisation which is, uh, you know, a, a big part of the private rental sector and what we do and the different strands that we have. The, 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 the commercial sector, I think, will be hit harder than residential because demand is still stronger. Mm-hmm. The high street was was, was, was slaughtered beforehand. Well, that was on his yeah. legs anyway. It was it? on his knees because, I mean, you look at online and look at Amazon and whatever and they're doing that and, they you know, people working from home doing that. That's been, that, they were slaughtered beforehand. Then, of course, you've got all the pubs You've got all the hospitalities, you've got the catering businesses, you've got the hotels and whatever. Some of them won't be able to come back from this. Yeah. But what's going to happen is people are going to be in leases, individuals, blue chips, whatever. They're going to be liable. And what's going to happen is the landlords, unless they're realistic, and we are doing commercial uh, mediation as well for our solicitor at Landlord Action, who's very experienced at that. So we do the mediation. But obviously, you've got much bigger deposits. There's is- much more issues with regard to dilapidations when you, when you exit. But I think what will happen is landlords, I think the Guardian companies will be busier. There'll be a lot more squatting as well. I can guarantee you that. Where there'll be empty properties because obviously people go into them. And I think what will happen is you'll see landlords that won't foreclose the lease. So the tenants will walk away. The properties will be empty because they don't want to be in the hook for business rates even though they're being deferred. And what they say is a lot of them might have PGs of their blue chips they just try and collect debt. But what's happened now is, with regard to commercial properties, you can't enforce in 90 days. So you can't foreclose and have a bailiff to change locks, which is what I used to do. And you can't, and you can't demand up. the rent. So you can't go that de- winding up demands, winding up petitions. That's all on stop and suspension, just like in the residential market. So you, you mentioned there, well, you mentioned a lot there, but let's start on the, um, on the kind of um, guaranteed rents, the LHA and DSS. So, Obviously, many landlords have come away from the DSS, LHA, tenants as, as universal credit kind of was bought in in the last few yes. years. Um, so 
a couple of questions related to this. So number one, what are your feelings generally towards the universal credit system? And then then probably number two would be, as unemployment seems to be rocketing, as we've we've discussed, um, those that are seeking universal credit and housing benefit payments are going to be increasing. So do you think landlords, well, I do think landlords are starting to shift back um, from professional tenants to to the LHA. So what do you think is important for landlords to consider in terms of those tenancies as opposed to a normal tenant? Great question. We could do a separate podcast on my feelings on universal credit. I was never a fan. I was one of the first people to, in 2008, to uh, break the news, which was obviously before universal credit, about direct payments to tenants. Totally against it. It was going to build up rent arrears. I thought it was ridiculous. It was about, at the time, to empower tenants. You can still get direct payment. I know a lot of it is vulnerability. I think that there is a lot of landlord snobbery towards benefit tenants, which is wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that, and don't forget the game has changed now. COVID-19 has changed everything. So pre-COVID-19, you've got a tenant coming to you, Rod, professional couple, we have got a free bed house. They're going to pay you the rent. You can get 400 quid a month more and they're professional, both work into a universal credit, hypothetically. You're going to go with a professional tenant all day long. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, you've got a lot of uh, benefit tenants that can't manage their money, which is the biggest issue. So my issue at the time was vulnerability was drink, drugs, mental health issues. You get direct payment. But the government, weren't the, the, the local authorities weren't looking at the debt issues. So you get at the moment, they put six benefits passed into one. Food banks have gone up something like. 50 60 percent because of universal credit they paid it in five weeks in arrears okay uh you know in duncan smith bought it in the 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 tech system came in went something like 80 million pound over budget i wasn't a big fan of it okay mm. i still don't think you should be paying in arrears how do you attract landlords yeah. so it needs more reform i know they've put that experience I, I i i just haven't been there and it's caused untold stress not just to landlords but mainly to tenants you know, the mental health issues it's caused because of that. So I'm really pleased the LHA rates have gone up. I think landlords will shift over. Statistically, a housing benefit tenant will stay in the property longer and look after it better. Fact. You know, and depending what your stock is, you're going to need to look at that. One thing that you did touch on before, and we haven't really touched on, is HMOs. Okay. Yeah. So how's a multiple occupation? You know, what's happened is, and the, the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest effect that you're going to have is the HMO and the student HMO market is being desecrated because of COVID-19. I know big, big student landlords that have taken massive hits. Students just giving the keys back. I'm going back to the family home, the university shut. They don't even know if they're going to be signing for the, for the new uh, tenancies for the 1st of July, you know, because they normally pay quarterly. So there's really big vulnerability there about what's going on and no one likes uncertainty. So landlords have to think, you know what, I need to be versatile. I can't have that property line empty. Yes, there's a lockdown. And I've done, uh, I did some webinars on our website, Landlord's Own COVID-19 update. And obviously, with regard to the lockdown, there's a do's and the don'ts. You're not supposed to do viewings. You know, landlords are still trying to carry on. And it will all be at the safe distancing rules. Police can't enforce it. Landlords have still got to make money. Tenants still need to move. But the move-ins... You know, I think the inquiry rates have gone up a lot much more by all accounts from speaking to a few big agents that I know. But uh, people still need to sleep somewhere. But the problem you've got is a lot of HMO tenants as well. You've got that working on zero-hour contracts or lower income. We're working in hospitality, retail, whatever. You know, I know one landlord who's got six tenants in, five of them have lost their job. Yeah. Well, on on that, quickly, um, I know one of my big issues is with HMOs, especially with the professional tenants, if you've got, I don't know, a block of flats and an HMO, with the block of flats, they're normally slightly more mature on the professional um, side. And what we're finding is a lot of the HMO professional tenants are able to just move back home with family, um, whereas people in self-contained units normally don't want to do that because they're they're a step ahead. So, where, where you might lose someone from a self-contained unit, normally there's other people looking, whereas now those people at the bottom of the professional working sort of tenancies, which are, I would class as, as a lot of the HMOs, will actually move back home and there's no one to replace that 
um, that movement of tenancy. Uh, and yeah. that's what we're finding. So my concern for this coming month is not actually arrears, it's more voids. As, yes, of course. As, as tenancies are starting to come to an end, uh, people are taking up their break clauses and they're moving out back with family and there's no one else really looking to move into HMOs. They might be looking to move to one-bed flats or three-bed family houses and things like that. So I think that's that could definitely be... Um, yeah, I mean, voids will be a big issue. It will work the other way as well, Rob, because you'll have tenants that may are struggling with the rent, possibly, or, yeah. or you're making up. I mean, you know, I've got this. My pledge to landlords is please be reasonable. There's a lot of landlords that are being hit as well. Let's not get them that have lost their jobs. Okay, that have been furloughed. That you know, this is all about survival. I'm talking about for the smaller guys. I mean, it's about cash flow. It's about having conversations with your lenders, but a lot of a lot of and we haven't really talked about that. A lot of uh, landlords won't have conversations with lenders because they think it might impact their credit rating. Mm. The FCA said that there shouldn't be a that they, it, it shouldn't work against you. I have, to with I, to, I have strong feelings on that. <laughs> so well, you know what? We got an article. We we got an yeah. article. If you go on, uh, not, if you go on Landlord Zone, it was on. We, we launched it on Friday. I'll have um, a look and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, if you put a link to Landlord Zone, we do breaking news every day. But we wrote an article by Mortgage Broker about mortgage holidays because my my concern with that is with the holiday. It goes on your credit file, as, although it doesn't go as you haven't paid it, often it can go as a you, which means, um, I think it's undisclosed or something. So, yeah. if On I'm, the remortgage for the 12 months, well, it, will, it will show up. Yeah, and, and, and I, if I'm a broker and I'm looking at a you there, it, I'm going to put look at the date and put two and two together and go, well, hold on, you couldn't pay your mortgage only after one month or two months of struggle. Correct, you haven't got a B plan or a cash reserve. Yeah, are you a, are you a good uh, a good trustee for this money that I'm going to lend to your company? I'm not mm. sure if you are, and, and, and that's kind of my, my, my issue. Well, but, yeah, but, but bear in mind, I spoke to uh, my pal, he's a mortgage broker, mm. 50% of the product has obviously gone. Mm. So we don't know what's going to happen. I, mean, I think the market will start moving in six to 12 months because people will sell. There's deals to be had. Yeah, you know, and I think there will be some movement, so that would be quite good. But we don't know what product's going to be out there. I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be more expensive. So, Paul, you you, you said some really good good stuff there, especially on landlords being versatile, and, and I think versatility and adaptability is absolutely mm-hmm. key right now. One of the mm-hmm. things I'm looking at would be, uh, and I'll, I don't have any LHA or DSS tenants at the moment. One of the things I'm looking at is to make sure that my debt repayments, all my mortgage costs per month are covered by guaranteed or government underwritten income, which I would class as LHA or DSS tenants. So I'm looking to get a proportion of my portfolio under those sort of tenancies. Now, for someone like me, what advice would you give me when looking at these tenancies, when looking at taking on a, a universal credit paying tenant or someone who's, who gets housing benefit? What, what advice would you give to me, someone who hasn't done this before, and yeah. who is uh, normally be dealing with private professional work? Yeah, that's a, really, that's a really good question. And I think landlords need to think about that because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But what we do know is there is a lot of social tenants that definitely need to be rehoused. They're, you know, if you want to wait and you want to be rehoused by the council and the council waiting this, you're going to wait 10 to 15 years. That's mm-hmm. why the private rental sector has propped up the social housing sector. And obviously, uh, in the last few years, it's been very challenging because landlords don't have faith in the system. So what what I turn around and say to you, what I say, where is your stock? Okay. What stock is best suited naturally? Okay. What, what have you looked at experience with regard to void periods with regard to open market? Then I would say what relationship and how can you open up a really good transparent relationship with your council? Okay. Because of course there's temporary accommodation where they yeah. pay maybe a daily rate and then of course there's obviously there's the LHA and obviously universal credit and what type of tenant is in their pipeline okay how will you qualify that are they able to get a guarantor possibly that is a homeowner yeah. can the can the local authority confirm could they possibly do a scheme where they do the three-year guaranteed rent scheme? Because that might be good for people think, I've got a peace of mind, yeah. I'm getting that. 
that's great. I'm not paying agency fees. I'm not getting void periods. And they guarantee you to give the property back in a reasonable state. Yeah. That's I think that's where the market's going to go for a lot of landlords. They're going to not think about that. If you're looking at universal credit, how can I get direct payment? Okay. Can I get the credit union involved? And what I would say, some really good advice, there's a great guy called Bill Irvine, who I've known for a long time. He's got a website called lhaadvice.co.uk. He is the, the don on universal credit and housing benefit. Uh, I would look up there and get some more advice uh, on some guides. Um, I think it's definitely worth a market looking at. I think also you've got to look at key workers now, you know, what's happening and, and obviously what's going on. You know, and also one thing that we have done, you know, landlords are good people, right? Unfortunately, when we read in the in the articles in the paper, and we read in uh, you know in newspapers like the Observer and the Guardian and the Telegraph, uh, they're 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 written about as if uh, they're not good people. Where they are good people, they're humane people. And one section that I thought about, and we're doing it, we run it every Friday. It's a feel good factor piece. It's called Landlord Hero of the Week, uh, and. Uh, so we write really good, positive stories where landlords are really helping tenants out. And there's loads that you don't hear about. Yeah. And I've actually reached out, and I'm waiting for a reply. I want to do a Q&A session with Generation Rent, and I'm waiting for them to come back. Because I think you've got to work together. Because whenever you deal with these tenant organisations, you deal with tenant organisations, shelter, and I do a bit of engagement with them, and I want to go in and try and engage with them. Um, because it's a them and you scenario, and that's really widened. And that's not good because... They need landlords just as much as landlord needs tenants. Absolutely. And the majority of tenants um, are really good people and they want to treat a property as if it's their home. And landlords want a tenant to rent their property out and for them to feel like it's a home. Because if it's a home, they stay longer. Yeah, 100%. And like, as, as a landlord myself, one of the big things I want is security of income coming in and so I want people to stay a long time I don't want tenants to keep uh, moving in and out I'd much rather have them there and put the rent up less um, I want to, all I want is two things I want to know that that money is coming in and they can afford to pay the rent and I want them to look after the property that's, that's the main thing and get access and be transparent and I think you've, you've done it and I say this to, to when I do my talks and I did like something like intern in Excel I did something like eight, uh, 60 talks last year did a lot of talks Obviously, I'm doing loads of Zooms and loads of webinars now. I think mean, that might be the way forward, saving the mileage. But, you know, I know a lot. I mean, my tenant in Spain, I haven't put the rent up in four or five years. He's been there five years. You know, I don't, you know, it wasn't a great investment. And my heart walled my hand. That's the one thing I did because I always wanted a place in Spain. It's in the, in the positive style. But landlords will think, you know, if you're reasonable, yeah, and you think about it, you think, you know what? I'm not going to put the rent up. I've got my, you know, I tell this story a lot. I've got my mate, my oldest mate in Brighton, and he's, he's like the second or third biggest landlord in Brighton. He's got 850, 900 tenants. He's a big player. He goes, Paul, I've had this tenant in my property in Hove, and uh, she's been there 15 years. I put the rent up five years ago. She looks after the property. Uh, she does it up. She pays on time. She's a lovely lady, okay? No grief. The neighbours like her. And my motto, no news is good news as a landlord. And that's what you want, you know. And actually, you know, you think, oh, I've, oh that, I haven't put the rent up this year. I've got to put it up. No, landlords don't think short term. Think, you know what? You've been a great landlord. I'm not going to put the rent up this year. It should, actually, the market rent should be blah, blah, but I'm going to keep it that. And what we're doing, we're building a relationship, you know. We're building trust. And actually, a tenant, because... The, the, you know, governments have talked about three-year tenancies and longer-term tenancies, and that's linked into the banning of Section twenty, Section 21 and housing courts. And, you know, we've done a whole lot of work on that. You know, the average term of a tenancy, as at this moment, we haven't got new data from the English Housing Survey, Rod, is four years and three months. And, and, there's, and there's a big difference, though, in that. And, that, and I've used, used that stat before and tried to break it down because when you look at the average tenant uh, stay... It is four and a half years, but what you find is in a three-bed semi-detached house in the suburbs, it's longer than a one-bed flat or even a room in an HMO. So it's very kind of, yes, of obviously dependent on the on, on what the product is. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, th I think I think all, all that's fantastic. What What are your thoughts then on Section Twenty One um, sort of going? 
Um, yeah. And the courts, can the courts cope with it? Because I know Scotland's had a few issues, haven't they? When yeah, I mean, Scotland months. actually invested in it, but I mean, they've still got a backlog of 10 months, bold accounts. They've got a tiny market compared to England and Wales. Yeah. So, and obviously there's new laws. So, what's happening is this, God, I'm going to take the, I'm going to try and be really short and narrow on this, because obviously I could, I could go off on a tangent. So, Section 21 is going, period. It's definitely yeah. going, okay? Um, so, I, I've been working with various different working groups and whatever, the unintended consequence of banning Section 21 is it can cause more homelessness because you have a lot of landlords that evict tenants of Section 21 where there's rent arrears, but because it's Section 21, the tenants will be rehoused by the council because the rent arrears doesn't show up. Yeah. Okay. That's it. And I said, I said that to the government. They didn't. They didn't get it. And, I, and then they realised it. Yeah. Very okay. Cool. And there's last year. You see, in 2015, there was 37,000 accelerated possession claims. Last year, there's 20,000. So the barriers. And obviously, you know, the, the HMOs and deposits and deregulation. So it's been filtering out. The problem you've got is using Section 21, they said it was non-fault. And that came from an interview that I did. I was on for 17 seconds with uh, the Panama Army. They were in my office. They called it non-fault. A, a landlord evicts a tenant for a reason. Mm. Most of the time they use Section 21 because they don't want to go to the courts. They write off the rent arrears. Or they want to sell the property or they want to move back in. But the retaliation eviction we worked out was half a percent. But there was all this press saying landlords are evicting because it, it was tiny. It does happen, but tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. But obviously, there was momentum. And that's why there's been a lot of law changes. The repercussion, the unintended consequences can be is that you'll have double the hearings. Can the courts cope? Can they have more judges? Can they have more bailiffs? And is there going to be more major investment in the courts? That's my biggest worry. Now, there's the COVID virus, which no one saw coming. So I really worry at the end of the year, I mean, land election is going to be really busy, obviously, uh, that the courts are going to cope. Mediation is going to come in. Right? That's definitely going to come in and that will be in the protocol. There's going to be a pre-action protocol coming in as well. And we're working with the government on that and our legal directors speak that. Where what happens is in the social housing sector, Rod, if a tenant's in arrears, you have to do a whole measures of correspondence, engagement, payment plans before serving a notice. That's, I think, it's going to come in. Are you going to be a detractor for landlords, possibly? And that could be another nail in the coffin for landlords saying, I want to sell because Section 21 is going. It would be interesting to get a flow chart of what kind of the steps will be on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got, we, we're working on it at the moment because we're actually in discussions, but that's why we brought in the mediation service. It's about tenancy sustainment, if possible. And then it gets, because obviously at the moment, we've got six to nine months to evict a tenant. Yeah, three months of notice and then whatever. So landlords have got to be realised that they're in, stuck between a rock and a hard place, try and sustain the tenancy, but then it comes to a point where clearly the tenant can't afford to pay there. You know, and I know loads of landlords, loads of that really, really good, a lot of them being very naive, and you'll see them on the TV programme, obviously, which yeah. is coming out in June, yeah. right, is it gets to the point where, you know, I've had, I've had a, I had a landlord that came to me and there was four years rent arrears, right? And don't ask me, well, how did it come to that? Because... Who knows? But, you know, you have a lot of landlords that will give tenants chances. Tenants will at first say, yes, I want to do this. And then you'll get tenants that will take the biscuit and then they will try and string it out. And, of course, most tenants don't have any assets. So once you do get possession, you have a money order, they'll be hard to collect. Yeah. So, Paul, we've talked a lot about kind of the technicalities and things like that. I want to now move into you as a businessman because, obviously, you've talked, I think, about five or five different businesses you've got already. So not only have you scaled several businesses, but you also seem to have a, a couple of different main skill sets in terms of, one, the branding and also all the technical knowledge that we've kind of gone through. So how do you juggle things and ensure that your time and effort is efficient across all these different businesses? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm as passionate now as I was when I started Landlord Action and beforehand. And I've always been a grafter, mm. you know. And while I do it, I, while I did it and I built my knowledge up and there's no, there's no substitute for experience. You know, everyone makes mistakes. You know, I've had business. I've had, you know, I also had a business in Spain. I, I, I did rental insurance for landlords in Spain. Right? And I did that with FCC Paragon. Did that called Paragon Advance. I did that for six years. You know, I was going to Spain once a month you know, for five years, six years, and I was running down action. So, uh, you know, the reason I came to Hamilton Fraser, uh, I'm very good friends with Eddie Hooker, who's the CEO, and I knew them from, uh, from around. I wanted to 
be able to not do anything operationally. I've done all that, managed staff and interaction for years. Um, I knew the industry. I know how the market goes. I know how landlords and letting agents feel. And I think that's important. Mm. So I wanted to go to a place where I had much more resource and I could bring my ideas alive. So, you know, uh, you know, so with Landlord Action, I have uh, an operation people that run that now. I'm just front facing. I bring business in, you know, yeah. uh, but not just to Landlord Action, but for our insurance business, we do Landlord Insurance, Property Redress Scheme, Client Money Protect, My Deposits. It's all interaction. You know, we've just, we've just launched uh, two weeks ago, which I haven't really been involved in, but um, Matt and Nick have. We've, uh, we've launched OME, O-M-E, which is a tenant uh, deposit replacement scheme. Oh. Where they pay it, where a tenant pays a week, but they can pay it like Netflix style. So, and the landlord takes that with an insurance policy because that's the way it's going to help tenants have more affordability. So, we're moving to that. Um, obviously, we're starting the mediation business, and then obviously, we're, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the running of landlord zone. We want a breaking news website, and then I've done a couple of other initiatives where I have ideas, and now I have operational people. And I had so many ideas at landlord action, I, did, I wasn't able to do it. But now I have resource around me and, ex- uh, and expertise and always have all surround yourself with better people in better areas. So I know the industry. I'm quite technical, but I'm not technical as in IT technical and, as, and I'm a, a system and process, but I'm not, you know. Uh, so we just launched HF Assist, which is a letting agent advice line. So I, I looked out there and I thought normally the advice line for letting agents is a legal advice line. And they speak and, and working in law and working for lawyers Lawyers speak in a certain language, and I wanted a, an advice fund that speaks in a practical letting agent language. So we launched that at HF Assist uh, two months ago, uh, £240 a year for a letting agent to get advice, which is legal advice, advice running your business, HR. So we've launched that. I did HF Academy, which is um, letting, agent advice, uh, letting agent events where they get CPD points. Uh, so I have ideas. I've got some other ideas, but... Yeah, juggling time, uh, and they all think I'm a bit mad in the office. But um, yeah, so I do juggle, and while I've got the passion, I'll, I'll keep carrying on. But um, and obviously coming out with the content and uh, still uh, tell it how it is. And I think yeah. that's kind of like people see that as quite refreshing. Yeah, I think definitely honesty um, is is something that kind of and still maintaining my Cockney accent. <laughs> it builds trust, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Even from Spain and Brighton, perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what? So within all those businesses, then what have been some of the biggest struggles in terms of scaling them? You mentioned you went from operational now more to to the branding side because you've got good people around them around you. What were some of the struggles in in getting to that stage? I mean, was it staff? Was it the processes? Was it getting investment? Maybe I don't know. I mean, if I just talk of a landlord action, I mean, now I'm doing other businesses where I have ideas, like this mediation business, and we, we brought it to life in three weeks, you know, and it's great. And then I move on to the next thing. But obviously, when you've got a big, we've got a very versatile business at Hamilton Fraser, okay? And we cover all sectors. But we're not just, you buy an insurance policy, we actually do some, a lot of support work. And then you, ha- you have the buying of the expertise and, you know, the content and, you know, so it's really great like that that I can uh, and, and I, I, and which means I enjoy what I'm doing. But when I was doing that on action, I was managing the staff. We had 12, 14 staff, and they were lawyers. And then uh, process, uh, very, very important. But then you can't lose the customer engagement and the communication and having really good comms. That's so important because you think we're land on action. We're an emergency plumbers business. You never want to call an emergency plumber because you know it's going to cost you money, yeah. but you know they're there. And that's the same with Landlord Action, you know, when I started it. Um, and then I just built a brand up. And, and it, was only, it, was more, it was more uh, luck than premeditated. I got asked to do a TV program in 2001 or 2000. I think what actually happened was we did a press release. We did a press release. We had a really good guy that was doing marketing. We did a press release and it came out in the Evening Standard three months after we started trading. We had over. We actually had over ten thousand calls from it over the course of six years. Wow. It came too early, too soon. But it said we be a blessing for landlords, and that really put us. We'd only been going three months. And it was just me and another guy. Um, so process system was really important. IT can be the absolute bane of your life, right? Writing process, but actually, you know, trying to get through to the staff, at getting to a level where they will speak to a landlord, and a landlord will actually come away having a peace of mind that, yeah, we'll get the tenant out. Yes, we can't help it if the courts are slow, 
than mm. managing the situation, but also being able to get some sort of trust because obviously when they speak to Landlord Action, they are, I like to have the engagement where, yeah, we can look at cross-selling our landlord insurance and look at other products because we're trusted in yeah. doing what we're doing. Absolutely. So, so what would you say would come first then, the process or the person to manage the process? The person. Really, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, it's a people's business, everything. You know, if you're evicting a tenant and you didn't get an automated email to say something happening, I mean, that's a problem where, you know, it's great doing automation and systems, but actually, Rod, by the way, good news, uh, we've got the hearing date through. And does it, you know, sometimes explaining stuff is great, but speaking to people, I try and explain that to people in landlord action because, you know, you don't, the problem is when you're speaking to landlords and they've come to landlord action, they're irritated because they're owed rent yeah. and you get frustrated. We have a disease called landlord rage, Rod. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. You might've had it in your, in your time of being a landlord. I've definitely had it. <laughs> you've definitely had it. And you know, when you're speaking to landlords, it can be frustrating. So I'm used to having difficult conversations. I'm used to dealing with disputes and all that stuff. So I try and do that and I try and do the engagement and I train practically, I, I train anyone that works in the landlord products within Hamilton phase. I, I do a thing called the property hour. I do, it, I do it twice a month. So I do a lot of engagement. And, you know, we have all different people, all different ages, understanding a landlord. And I think that's the beauty of what we have at Hamilton Fraser compared with any other product that I know of, mm. because we understand landlords and we've got a lot of specialism. We've got years and years of experience of landlording and the private rental sector, whereby if you called an insurance company, you know, it's just a call centre. So I think the takeaway is, yeah, I oh, they know, they understand I'm an HM landlord and I'm going through the COVID-19 and someone's self-isolating and it can't be hard to do. You know, we want people to understand stuff that we know what's going on in the market. So, Paul, what, what do you think is one thing maybe that you know to be definite, you know it's true, but you find lots of other people don't agree with you on? Is there anything there that makes... Can I say death and taxes? Does that count? No, you can't choose them. (laughs) (laughs) That That was too easy. Is there anything that landlords will contact you about and kind of give you a scenario and you really, you always know that this is how it's going to end, but they sometimes don't really grasp that and don't, maybe they don't want to, want to grasp it or... Uh, I would say, if I'm me being Mr. Cynical, obviously... I do. I would say, a landlord, I'm going to talk to a landlord action because obviously I've got loads of hats, as you well know. But yeah, I'm just going to talk about landlord action. A landlord action, we get your, we always get your property back. Always get your property back, but very unlikely we're going to collect your rent. Very unlikely we're going to collect your rent. Yeah. So all it is about is get your property back. We get a money order. Don't throw good money after bad rod. Yeah. Okay. We do a search to see if he owes money elsewhere. Once we get a property back, there could be loads of people chasing your tenant. Forget about dropping the grand or 1,500 quid trying to get a, a court order against him for one pound a week. But the problem is that the, the, the downside to all that is that he doesn't show up, that he's had a county court judgment and he could go on and do it to another tenant, yeah. and the, another landlord. And I've said this to the guy, when I worked on the, the consultation of rogue landlords and rogue letting agent list and I came up with some ideas and we talked about banning orders and I flippantly said I knew it was I just threw a grenade in there so what about a bad tenant database and that will never happen because what will happen is is it creates more homelessness mm. when you ban section 21 by the way the, the, the unintended consequence not just about the court system but also you're going to have the antisocial behaviour because landlords use Section 21 for antisocial behaviour because neighbours don't, and you'll know this from HMOs, neighbours and other tenants won't give witness statements because they're too frightened and too intimidated by the tenant. You'll get, also, you'll get landlords that will reference much more methodically. Yeah. So, you know, there is a, there's a really good report. So I, I, I'm involved with an, uh, an organisation called the Lettings Industry Council. So all the, letting, all the lettings industry comes together. It's a really, really good group. And we did a subsection of uh, Section 21. I was sat, I sat on that panel. And they, they, we, we commissioned a report, and Landlord Action contributed with uh, the Landlord Association and ARLA and various different other organisations. And there's a report called Beyond Section 21. And we were just going to release this to the press, and then COVID-19 happened. But the prediction is, I think they will accelerate uh, Section 21 banning coming in. There was gonna be a, they did the consultation. There might be a call for evidence. But I can see that coming in quicker, so possibly. Maybe, because if you evict a tenant quicker, 
then it creates more homelessness. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I was going to say, well, maybe there's there's a case then for uh, more investment in the social housing and, and, and landlords maybe getting into that because as that comes in, uh, people may not be too keen to start renting their properties out to some of those I, tenants. So. No, I agree. But you know also, which is also, and I say this all the time because I, I do a lot of work, we do quite a bit of work with it. It's the bill to rent industry. Yeah, yeah. So you guys probably know about. Yeah, so you know you, you'll know about this, but the majority of landlords haven't got a clue what build to rent is. Mm-hmm. So institutional investors that are building big blocks and just renting them out, uh, getting the return of investment. I mean, we work for a really big operator uh, because you know build to rent, and even though there's a, there's legislation that's coming, we haven't got obviously got uh, you know we haven't got rent controls compared to Sweden and Germany. Our legislation on renting is, and even France is, is is actually much less. I know there's stuff coming in, and landlords say, "Oh, it's wrong, whatever." And I say to landlords, and if we are going to part with this, I say to landlords, "What, you know?" And I come up with this. I say, "You can't eat steak every day of the week, right?" Landlords have have had it good for a long time, but and they have a lot of short memories. And I say to you, there's two things. A landlord, you know, I did, you know, I, I was going to do the landlord investment show. I do. Uh, I chair some of the panels in the auditorium and those shows are really, really busy. And I say, look, if you don't like it, you can get out. Mm. Yeah? If you don't like it, you can sell and get out. Or what you can do is you can keep your property and get someone to fully manage it for you. Yeah. That is probably the best answer. And anything you have with regard to lettings costs is all tax deductible anyway. If you're totally fed up, then you can, you can sell. But build to rent, is a really big competitor to the everyday landlord, especially in urban areas, because their offering are far superior than Joe Schmo normal yeah. landlord. You know, you've got on-site security, faster broadband, dog walking services, yoga rooms, gyms, swimming pools, you know, discounted rates, cleaning services, mm. you know, and a tenant will statistically pay more money for those services. Because, you know, you've got to think that the type of tenant has changed now what it was 10 years ago you know, the millennial tenant, what they want. And just going back to that point of um, sort of things, things were better, I think a lot of landlords compare now to what was happening before, where in terms of like looking at their property as an investment, whereas really it needs to be compared to what other investment opportunities there are right now. And, and that's where, when you do look at it, actually property can still be quite, um, quite beneficial. Um, oh, definitely. I, I think you've got to be versatile. And people said to me, what, what would you look at doing? I mean, look, I'm going to buy a buy to it, but I'm buying a property for my kids yeah. so I can kick them out. <laughs> I'm only joking. Like, <laughs> I'll serve a Section 8 notice. Yeah, exactly. Section, yeah. Section 8 is because I want to prove it. No, but I, I would say that, you know, what's going to happen? Well, commercial, why would you want to invest in commercial with all this uncertainty? Okay. Uh, I, I had a proper, I had a, my old office, for Landlord Action in Mill Hill, Northwest London. I was in the serviced office for 17 years. Could have bought the building with the rent. It was so convenient for what I paid, but with yeah. more bills. So serviced officing possibly could be attractive with regard to operations downscaling from actually proper office blocks. I think, uh, I think uh, workspace, mm. you know, shared workspace. Mm. I think, I mean, we work and stuff like that. I think there's going to be much more up and running now where you'll get people that want to work remotely or work, want to be working remotely on the go. You know, I think that would, I think that there'd be quite good opportunities. Yeah, I still I think, think, you know, I think obviously the social market, I think HMOs, there is more legislation coming in, but you need, really need to pull your, roll your sleeves up with a good to HMO management. Yeah. And that's where a lot of landlords fall down. Yeah, I, I actually converted a few of my HMOs uh, back to single lets over the last couple of years because just it's it's, it's 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 almost a hospitality business and a, a very operational one, so it's it, it didn't really suit me. We still got a couple, but um, yeah. Yeah. I think having a varied portfolio and mixed yeah. makes total sense. Well, absolutely. I think like it's any investment portfolio, and within property is no different. You can diversify through tenant type, use class, and location. I think that's just a, a no-brainer, really. Especially as we've seen these sort of things, um, these sort of things come out. So, Paul, I'm going I'm to ask finish up with the last question, which is what I ask everyone, and it's what's what's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you in business? Oh God, that's really what's the kindest thing everyone's ever done for me. 
I think the strangest, I, I don't know, I'd have to think about that because I, I have a memory like a sieve. <laughs> uh, the kindest, I mean, I've, yeah, I, I always get, I get some, I mean, you know, and obviously with a TV show, obviously my profile's gone up to get about a million people. I get, get loads of random people. I think that the, the sweetest thing that I've been asked to do, I yeah. think if I can turn that question around, was I was, um, and I can send you the link if you remind me, okay, if yeah. I, there's a link to this. I was asked to be involved in a marriage proposal, <laughs> which was the strangest thing. It was really sweet. So I got a random email via the website and a guy called Mark, who was based in Gloucestershire, he said, Paul, my girlfriend is a really big fan of your program, really likes you as a character. Because people, some people think that I act as well. It's really strange. It's, this is all real, by the way. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, I, and so he, he, he basically, I had a book. I wrote in the book, I think her name was, was it Rachel or Haley? I can't remember her name. So I wrote in the book, Will You Marry Mark? Da, 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 in the book. So he gave her the, uh, the book all wrapped up. And then uh, she opened it up, and, I saw, and they filmed the reaction, the, the restaurant. It was really sweet. And then I called her up, and I spoke to her and whatever. So that's the strangest Brilliant. thing that I've uh, been involved in. But it was really sweet. Fantastic. Well, Paul, thanks so much for giving us your time today. It's been really, really great having you on. We'll make sure we're going to put in the show notes some links to Landlord Action and some of those uh, websites you've also said. Is there anything yeah. else you want our listeners to to know about you yeah i mean they can uh, yeah they could listen you can follow me on twitter um and obviously on linkedin for the engagement of paul champlina uh, and also i would say you know what keep yourself up to breast of what's going on whether you're commercial land or resident whatever just go on landlord zone landlord action we're there to help you but obviously you know we've got the mediation service with the KLS if you've got rent arrears and you're not able to communicate with your tenants but um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, we just keep advising. We come out with the engagement and just keep yourself up to spec. But you know what? Property is long haul, and we're going through rough times and tough times and whatever. But especially with the residential market, people need to sleep somewhere. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much, Paul. Pleasure. Please join me next time for more detailed discussions about property on the Rodcast.